Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Before we get started, we would like to invite you to leave a review for this podcast in iTunes. It's a brand new show, and it's really important in the launch of a new podcast to gather reviews. Will you please help us spread the word by leaving a review so that more mamas have a chance of finding this podcast when they search for one? We read every single review, and we promise to keep doing that. We love what everyone, all of you ladies, have been saying about the Pregnancy and Birth Made Easy podcast here with My Essential Birth. So thank you, everyone, for your continued support. Welcome to this week's podcast episode where we're going to be featuring Enneagram type fours and how they move through birth. So if you don't know what an Enneagram is, it's a diagram with nine points that illustrates the nine human character structures. They are nine different but very connected types and it doesn't necessarily tell us what we do but why we do it and to quote Beth at your Enneagram coach on Instagram, go check her out. The Enneagram accurately and clearly describes why you think, feel, and behave in particular ways based upon your core fears and core desires. The idea is that you can use this path of self-discovery to help you transform into the highest, healthiest, truest version of you. So less of a personality test and more of a path back to the truest version of yourself. And as with each of these episodes, we will make sure to link to the free test in our show notes. So make sure to go check that out, take the test and enjoy the episodes. We just have to preface this by saying we are Enneagram enthusiasts, certainly not experts, but we find it all interesting and figured you might too. So today, like I said, we're going to be focusing on type four um, since I, Courtney, am likely a type four. I can't make up my mind, but I think people who know (laughs) me best believe that I'm a type four. I might be in denial. She's a swinger. She'll go three, four, or four, three. <laughs> <laughs> so type four is the romantic individualist. And, and you might be a type four if any of this sounds familiar to you. So at their best, they are authentic, compassionate, introspective, expressive, creative, supportive, refined, and unique. But at our worst, we are withdrawn. We can have exaggerated moods. We can be depressed, maybe a little self-pitying, self-absorbed, possessive, temperamental. Basically, sometimes it feels like I'm at the mercy of my emotions. Um, At my worst, it can feel like they sort of dictate my day to me. And at my best, I know that I am master of my emotions and I can use them in such good ways to help um, be compassionate in situations where compassion is needed and things like that. I don't know, Steph, does that sound anything like me? <laughs> I feel like that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I might go home and cry about it depending on how you answer. <laughs> Just kidding. I think I can see you at your best in type four all the time. Yes, absolutely. That was very diplomatic. I'll take it. Um, But this does feel pretty darn true for me. Um, I feel like especially working together as owners of a business, um, Stephanie and I work in very different ways. I often have to stop what I'm doing 
in order to process whatever I'm feeling before I can move on. And I feel like you, um, not, and this isn't a bad thing at all, but I feel like you're able to push aside emotion, get the work done, and then circle back. Uh, and work if I on circle it. back, yeah, you're right. So <laughs> push aside is, yeah, I push it aside. That's true. Right. So, um, okay, so let's talk about fours within a birthing context here, because that's probably why you're listening. <laughs> so I feel like this this could be all pregnant women. I think your emotions are heightened. You're a little bit more sensitive when oh, you're pregnant. Definitely. But especially with type fours, I feel like I would see birth videos, beautiful ones, right? And they would create this sense of longing in me. They would touch my emotions so deeply because they were so raw and beautiful and authentic. And I wanted to be able to experience all those same incredible feelings. And, um, and that really comes when you're working through something so eternal and so intense in nature. Um, and so I, I wouldn't necessarily say, so when we talked about type threes, these are the, I want to be the best. I want to perform the best. I'm going to have the highest prize given for an unmedicated (laughs) birth, right? I feel like type fours, kind of go after the same sort of thing. They might want a unmedicated home birth or just a really, but they want it for a different reason. They Mm. want that really real, raw, authentic, beautiful, unique sort of experience um, that allows them to feel all the feelings. So it's not really like a chip on the shoulder kind of thing, but it's like this deep longing. Yeah. And I I wouldn't say that they're all set on an unmedicated birth. I think that part of the strength of a four is that they can have compassion and see the beauty in so many different situations. And so they can see the beauty in a medicated birth. They can see the beauty in a cesarean birth. And I think that's to their credit. So, Um, okay. Can I ask for you? mm -hmm. Are you, do do you think that is also for yourself? Like you're compassionate towards yourself as well, or do you feel like you get left out? Yes and no. I I think that's where that it talks about how at their worst, they're self-pitying. So it kind of depends on, yeah, sometimes I do feel kind of sorry for myself, but that's different than having compassion for yourself. Okay. I think that's a little bit harder to come by. I had to ask. (laughs) No, it's a good question. (laughs) Um, And we want, if you're a type four, um, we want you to chime in. Let us know. We'll be doing an Instagram post with a cute little graphic. Yeah. <laughs> and you can comment on there and let us know, does this hold true for you? Another reason they pursue a very specific kind of birth is because they they want it to be unique. Maybe something that their friends aren't doing. But, but again, not because they want to be better than their friends, but because they feel like um, they're so unique themselves and they want to be seen for that. Okay, is this, would you say the majority of Utahns are type fours then because <laughs> they all want to have really what pretty special births no i was actually thinking about the way that they name their children <laughs> oh gosh that's a totally different episode i found well i'll have to post it another time but i okay. found this little graphic and it was like choose from column a ch- column b and it had like um brexley and uh, just all these michael and i did you see the meme for brexit no <laughs> That a Utah kid's name. No, but there was a meme going around that said, Brexit, that sounds like a solid name, like a nice, <laughs> strong name. My gosh. And it was people from Utah. Oh, okay. You're right. Maybe that's not a uniquely for thing then. Maybe everybody just wants to be. Unique. No, I. it was a joke. You know, no, I loved it. <laughs> it was good. Okay. Um, but here's the next. Here's the bottom line. Birthing unhindered is going to provide more opportunity for you, type 4 mama, to be creative, to be expressive, 
to be introspective and to be authentic to the experience and to yourself. I'm just going to tell you right there. You are not going to do well in an environment where everything is dictated to you, where it feels cold and sterile, where it feels very routine. You're just, you're not, that's not going to be your best birth. I don't think. Okay, so the setup, you're saying that the birth setup is extremely important for a type 4 mama. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, and you're talking about the physical things as well as the emotional. It's all, Yeah, it's all of it. It's all one. It's all one. So, for example, despite the fact that everyone was telling me that in birth you should keep the lights dim, it helps the oxytocin flow, I did not want that. I wanted a mm. light, bright, beautiful room. That's the feeling that I wanted to have in the oh, room. Oh, I love that. And it's, you know, I didn't want it to be dark and dim. Like, I, this was a light experience. And okay, so we just, we have a challenge going on right now. It's our fall challenge. Um, anyways, one of the things that we have you do We're at the We're going to have to do this challenge again. It is so good, it's you guys. Awesome. So good. So one of the things that we had everybody do at the beginning, though, was to envision, like, their birth. And so I, I just, like, when you said that, it made me think of that exercise. But also just, I, like, felt your birth space when you said that. So yeah. I think that's like such a neat thing to be able to envision that and then to try and create it. That's so important. Yeah. I love looking at moody kind of darker birth photos, but that's just not what I wanted for me. Yeah. So that means that they really feel their way through the birth. And it's such an important skill to have because it can often help you keep your birth progressing. Mm-hmm. A, a mother that is very in tune with her body is going to know what the next step is to keep things moving. Absolutely. And I think that's so neat too, because when you're turning inward during birth, it's not just you you're in tune with. You that baby is a part of you, and you are listening to cues from your baby. You are working together on an emotional level and a physical level. It's a really neat thing. Um, so, for example, feeling and knowing when the environment is off. So just like you said, like you knew you wanted the lights, like that would have been off for you. Mm-hmm. Would you have been able to say that, though? Yeah, I think only because my husband and I, we worked on communication. Oh, he's so become important. a master at communicating with me and speaking Courtney, you know? <laughs> Um, I love that. I'm going to use that. Oh my gosh. But it's true though. I don't know if in birth I would have been able to say like, I I need the lights on. Maybe I would have, but I might've just said, I don't know. I just, it's feeling really restrictive in here. I don't know. And hopefully he could interpret interpret what that would mean. Okay. I think he could have. Good. Yeah. But I mean, that's a good point, right? Partners, you guys have got to, you have to work with your partner. You can't expect them to know everything. Um, I'll tell you, I've told this story before, but like as a doula, my, the very first birth I went to, I hands down fully expected to know exactly what that mama needed. Like by intuition's sake, I Mm -hmm. thought I would know what that woman needed and I didn't. Like I didn't just automatically know I had to use the tools that I had. So anyways, mm-hmm. you have to, you have to practice together. You got to work together. We'll give you some examples of this yeah. later on for sure. But I think to what you just said, um, so type four mamas, any mama, if you have a vision for how your birth, how you want it to feel, how you want it to be, you need to communicate that to your partner. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the best exercises that you can do yeah. is to write that down. Because mm-hmm. what does that really look like? To, writing is such a neat exercise on so many levels, but envisioning it and being able to put it into words so that you can give that to a partner or to a birth team or whoever so that they can help you create that space is such an important thing to be able to do. Absolutely. Okay, along with that is the staying connected to that love hormone, that oxytocin. Um, love and beauty in the experience of birthing their baby and the love for their baby. Yeah, I think that they're super in tune with all those feelings. I love my baby so much. I'm giving this, this birth is a gift that I'm giving to my baby. And as you have those feelings through birth, which you will, that's just going to help keep that oxytocin flowing. And it's that oxytocin that keeps your contractions going strong. Yeah. This next one is, um, 
is I just love this. So feeling when your body is off, when something's off, when you need to get up and walk around, when you need to lay down, if you need to be doing hip circles, you're really in tune with what your body is needing. So I'm curious if you don't set this up in a way that could be productive for you, could it cause an issue? Or because of what a type four is and, and who they are and, and what they do, would you be able to be like, no, like I need to do this thing? Like what, which do you say it's like? It's hard for me to say on a personal level because from baby number one, I was very aware of the kind of environment I would need to be in in order to feel like I was able to freely and authentically do what I felt I needed to do. So I've never really been in a position of restraint or where I needed to speak up. So it's it's kind of hard. I feel like every woman's going to be a little bit different. I think it depends on her comfort level communicating with her partner or a doula or a provider. Um, How about when somebody is um, suggesting something to you, but you know intuitively that's not what you need? Would you go with it? Because we know that birth is a very like influential place to be. <laughs> it is. You're so vulnerable. And I feel yeah. like type fours too because they're very aware of others' feelings. You're also aware of not wanting to like, hurt Okay, I'll do it feelings. even though I know this is I would. Pro- I think a lot of times in those situations, not necessarily birth, I'll start to comply with something. And the minute I have a little bit of privacy with it, I'm like, this does don't want to be doing this and I I look to yeah. him yeah, yeah, to get yeah. me out of that situation okay which is really that sounds so like no but that's so and... no 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 that's important to know because you need like you have to set up your birth for what's going to work for you yeah do I have something on my forehead no sorry <laughs> no, it's fine I'm like you just keep looking at the same spot is it a pimple no okay. <laughs> no your forehead's beautiful thank you I'm sorry I've really been working I'm out. not I'm like no okay. focused <clears throat> no you're... it's because sometimes you're looking straight ahead and I I'm know. trying to look no, I totally get it, and then it's distracting. Okay, I have a beautiful forehead. Let's move on. No, I I was gonna say I think it's really important because partners, if if you guys like have this conversation beforehand, now you're worried about looking at me. I'm not gonna look at your forehead. (laughs) If you have this conversation beforehand, then you can really set up that birth space for what it needs to be. So I don't think it's like. Like, with you being hard on yourself or what? Like, I don't think you need to do that. I think it's just this is the way it is, and so here's how we make it a success. Yeah. I also think that that doesn't have to be the case. I think if you're, you've are you practiced um, speaking up for yourself and having empowering communication mm. and conversations with your provider, like, that's one of the things that I love that we do with our Um, our My Essential Birth students is we encourage them to practice having these conversations and actually have these conversations with their their provider. Because if it's a unique situation, this is a one-time thing, you might not be prepared for how to communicate um, that you don't feel comfortable doing something. But if you're preparing for birth and we've given you examples of the different things they might say to you Mm. and you have time to practice and prepare for speaking up or how to handle those in a way that feels authentic to you, then you're going to be fine. That's so important. I love that. No, it's true because just like you're trying, it's like, just like if you go on an interview for a job, right? Like how many times do you practice those questions and you're like, and then you hear yourself say it and you're like, that's not what I meant to say. Like that's, you know? And so, yeah, being in that space where you're like, no, this is really how I feel. And now it's coming. Like now I'm able to express it in words. That's huge. Right. So if it's an unexpected situation, I would say it could see myself leaning towards 
compliance, but then privately letting my husband know this isn't what I want. This doesn't feel right. Help me get out of this situation. But if it's something that I'm prepared for, then I, I think I'm often comfortable speaking up. For okay, myself. would that would that be the same later during the birth process? So say that things are in that active so. state, right? Like no. when are you going to be able to say those things? Okay, so how no. would you set yourself up for success? Like say that you you haven't hit that point where things are happening that you don't want them to happen, and then a suggestion is made in a space and time during that birth where you can't freely speak anymore because you're super focused and turned inward but that nurse or whoever leaves and you do have that time alone, you might not still, like how do you set that up for success? You, first of all, um, you're not gonna wanna be talking very much if you're in active labor, right? That's all women. Right. You're not very talkative at all. Yeah. And so I think that number one, your provider, again, this is all about preparing beforehand. If you and your, your um, not your provider, if you and your partner have communicated about what your ideal birth looks like, how you want things to go, how you wanna feel, during that experience, then um, I think in very short words, like, I don't want to do that. Like, or just no, no. Like, it, that might be all you can get out. And then you have to trust at that point that your partner is going to be able to um, figure out that situation, that solution based off the vision that you've given them ahead of time for what you want to have happen. They've also got to come in there knowing their crap. <laughs> Sorry, but they do. Yeah. Like, they've got to know what the options are for curveballs that might come your way during the Yeah, I think you brought up a good point too, and something we maybe don't talk about enough is the body language. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are in love with your partner that you've created this baby with, you're going to know, you should know them pretty well on an intimate level to know like that shrug or this, or just the, there's a feel that comes off of people when they like or don't like something. Would mm-hmm. you say that's correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember, and I've used this example when we were talking about Enneagram 3, about how I was, it was the birth of my third baby. My sister was there to watch. It was my first out of hospital birth. Um, and I just, I couldn't describe the feeling. I was in active labor. I couldn't say what I just kept telling me. I just feel like I need to get, I just need to get out of here. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's wrong. And so he, I couldn't say what I needed. Um, and we're going to talk about this in, in just a second when we get to well, you, partners. Yeah. And you like prefacing this, like you didn't even know exactly what you needed, right? I didn't know what I needed. Um, I just knew that just, it, it wasn't feeling right. And I couldn't, I couldn't even articulate that at yeah. the time. Um, I know now that I was feeling stifled and claustrophobic and feeling like I had to perform for my sister. And I was then feeling inauthentic to the experience. And so Nate was so great. He, let's get outside. And we had that freedom because we were mm. at a birth center. We could get around and they had little grassy area in a parking lot, which wasn't helpful. But <laughs> we could we could get outside and we did that for a bit and that wasn't feeling right either. And so we brought me back inside and then he was, I was so grateful to him. He realized it was because she was there. Mm. So he sent her out to get food. <laughs> so so I, but again, so she might not be able to, we're going to keep saying we're going to get to the birth partners. We're just talking about it now. <laughs> she might not be able to tell you exactly what's off or what's wrong. She'll be able to tell you something's off. Um, and then it'll be up to the partner to figure out solutions. It makes me want to do a birthing exercise where we, and we don't have this in the course, but mark my words, this is going to end up in the course. <laughs> I want to do a birthing exercise where we have mom silent 
and we're doing a labor rehearsal Mm -hmm. and I want suggestions to be made to her and for her to make it known to him in one way or another that that is not a suggestion that she would like. I've even used code words with my doula clients. You give me a code word for if something is happening in the birth space when other people are around and you don't like, like if you have a code word for, I would like an epidural. Care Bear. Right. Just kidding. No, we had, I think Rainbow was one of them. There were, and they would just say things like, oh, I really want a Twix right now. You know, and Mm -hmm. it just anyway, so code words or a simple touch or because that those cues, those cues can be huge. And if you have something, I'm going to recommend that to everybody listening right now. If you have something, a touch, a pinch, a handshake, a whatever, a code word that you can say that tells your partner that signals to them. I don't like how this is going right now or that suggestion was not something I want to do or mm-hmm. I would like some medication or I want to change positions. However you guys come up with your, you're going to have to it's tell us be all your simple. hand sig- signals. Yeah, it's got to be whatever. simple, whatever it is. Simple but effective. Um, I would absolutely recommend having something like that. So let's talk about how, so strength of a type four during birth is that you're going to be so in tune with your feelings and your body and moving through birth. And that is seriously, that's going to help birth progress and not have those stalls a ton. That is such a blessing and a gift to you of your type. However, (laughs) sometimes our greatest strengths can become our greatest weaknesses. And so, um, Stephanie, I know you've seen this, where those same feelings can be a hindrance during birth. Sometimes mom hangs on to a fear of something, fear of becoming a mom, fear Mm. of, you know, what pushing is going to feel like, fear of whatever, and she hangs on to that, and and we start to see the birth kind of stall. Right. peter out just a little bit and until she releases that um usually through talking it out mm-hmm. especially if you're a type four you got to talk through that she you're not going to be able to move on you've got to resolve those feelings first it's like we talked about with work i have to fix the feeling before i can go back to work totally and so an effective way for a partner to do that would be to grab her attention in one way or another um, making sure that you've got eye contact directly with mom and then talking to her you know, Mm -hmm. um, getting those things out. So talk to me about what's going on right now. What are you feeling right now? It doesn't matter what she says. It's valid. Yeah. Because that's what she's feeling. It doesn't matter if it's real or not. It doesn't matter. Like the sky is red and you know, it's blue. It doesn't matter. (laughs) She's correct in that moment. And so, um, a lot of what that is, is really just allowing her to release that emotion and all of that that goes with that thought so that when she hears it out loud and the emotion comes out with it, it loses its power. Absolutely. You don't necessarily need to fix the problem for her or talk her out of why that's such a not valid thought or whatever. A lot of times her saying it out loud, she'll realize the ridiculousness of that fear or maybe not. And maybe she will need some, a little hand holding or a little um, coaching through that. Um, other strengths, type fours are often very creative. Um, I don't necessarily identify with this part of my type, but maybe it's just a different kind of creative. Like I... <laughs> My my drawings look about as good as a 10-year-old's, but, you know, whatever. Um, At least you got 10. I think mine are at (laughs) 5. But they're often very creative, and they really enjoy making things in preparation for birth. These are the mamas who are going to have the beautiful, like, hand-lettered affirmation cards around their room. Or you were also saying, I bet they would probably be the types that would get really into... um, Birth art. Birth art. Yeah. yeah, I could, yeah, I could see that. I, part of me, like, I, I want to do birth art if I have another baby. Like, I've heard the neatest stories. Haven't you heard the neatest stories? I haven't. No, from, I'm curious. Oh my gosh, yes. And like using your non-dominant hand and somebody like walks you through the birth art and like what Ooh. you draw and it can like bring out all these emotions or 
Like, I remember a woman telling a story where she did birth art with this family, and she had done it twice. Like, she had been at both of these mama's births, and the first one, she, like, drew this picture or whatever, and she said this mom was really intuitive, which makes me think, like, I bet she was <laughs> the type four. Um, anyways, and she, like, drew this picture, and it was, like, her in the birthing room and her partner or whatever, and, and she was like, oh, well, who are these other two people? She goes, oh, I, I, don't, I don't really know. I don't know why I drew them. And then during the birth, and this woman was very intuitive, she asked her after, she said, so who were the other people there? And she goes, it's my mom and dad. Aww. Or like somebody that had died. Like it, anyway. So I've they weren't there. Spells. I know. So birth art is like the, I'm like <laughs> so on my next cool. baby. Yes, please. All about the birth art. I um I did my own. I didn't want to wear a standard hospital gown, so I sewed my own with fabric that I oh my gosh out for so <laughs> cute. I love that. It's kind of but you know more prone to making creative, unique things for your experience. Um, type fours have probably experienced their birth in their mind long before it actually happens. We've talked a little bit about that, right? They have a visualization for what they want it to feel like, and that translates to to what it looks like, who's there, and those kinds of things. So on the other side of that, do you see that sometimes if you're not in a good place that that vision is not, that that vision is not beautiful and... Yeah, I would say that if you're not in a healthy place, um, maybe emotionally, maybe you've got some anxieties, maybe, you, um, maybe you're not feeling very prepared and, and all of a sudden you're worried about all the different what-ifs, certainly your mind can um, obsess and worry about the details there. But I, I'm going to trust that you at least have a vision for how you hope it will go. And then your job, mama, is to be able to give that vision to your partner. Like we talked about, mindset is so hugely important for birth. Stephanie and I emphasize this all the time. Um, our find it and flip it exercise is really good for tackling those, maybe those fears or those what ifs that keep creeping up for you. Um, and we're going to include that again at the mm-hmm. end of this episode. We've put this in a couple podcasts. There's a reason we keep doing it. So if you haven't done it yet, make sure to hit the show notes and download the, the free exercise that we have. So we've talked a lot about partners already. Um, the three things we want to cover when we go over these Enneagram things is like, what are your strengths in birth? What might some of your weaknesses be? Tips for partners. And so we've talked a lot about that already. Um, she needs somebody who's going to totally speak her language, who understands her need to process feelings in order to move through something, whether that's during pregnancy or birth. Um, and so, Stephanie, you hit on some really good questions to ask, um, not necessarily during birth, because she <laughs> might not be able to answer you. But. Yeah, so questions um, that I think are really important for a birth partner to be able to ask themselves. So something that you'd want to have this conversation prior to birth, but then asking these questions during birth to yourself are, um, like, what are you feeling right now? So if it's the partner asking the mom, what are you feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Like, are you able to tell, looking at her, kind of what the emotions are? What's she feeling? Mm-hmm. How can I sit with you in this? Do you need me to hold you? Is there a song that explains your feelings? What can I do to make this easier for you? Or should I just listen? And I think the reason that that's important that these conversations happen prior is because there's a good chance that if you go to ask these to mom during birth, even if it is something she wants, she might be like, what? No, like, it's too much to think about. I'm in my own space It's hard to articulate sometimes. And so, or not knowing exactly what they want. And so if you're looking at her and you're like, um, you know, there's a difference between struggling through birth and, and um, like having intense experiences versus that, what do we call it, like suffering, you know? If you're noticing that it's just something's off, for example, then you're like, oh, I like, 
she liked this song when we would practice relaxation. I'm just going to put this on. You know, you might just have to make some of these decisions for her or ask her in a yes or no manner. So would you like me to play this song for you? Something right. that she can answer quick. Do you want to take a walk outside? Do you, is there somebody in the room you need me to get rid of? <laughs> Does this song sound good to you? Are you? Do you want to get up and go to the bathroom? She's going to know that something's off and she'll hopefully be able to tell that to you if not verbally then through body language. And it's going to be up to you, partner, to then be able to make some suggestions because if she's in active labor, she won't necessarily be able to articulate that she might but she might not and so you'll need to take charge a little bit there but understand this I feel like this is in general to type fours at any time but you want to make sure that you listen patiently don't try and rush them through explaining what they need to talk about certainly don't dismiss how they're feeling um my husband sometimes I'll say something a fear maybe and it sounds ridiculous and I kind of know it's ridiculous (laughs) and he'll call it out and that's not always a great thing um even if she feels that nobody understands the depth of her emotions and feelings she'll at least know that you're that you're there for her which I think is important for all mamas during birth but it sounds like extra more so for a type four so if you know you're a type four um let that partner know just being there going with it we call it holding space like as doulas Mm -hmm. just know that um protecting that space is is so good for her yeah um so she might need somebody to bring her out of out of her mind that sounds bad (laughs) she might need somebody to kind of pull her out from within no and we kind of talked about that but you have a specific example yeah so this happens almost every single birth I get to transition which is the part right before pushing and it's often the most intense um some dare I say agonizing part of birth it's really it's an intense kind of feeling and it's a lot and you want it to end and I would just be I remember with this last one I was crying Uh, this is gonna go on forever she's never gonna come my eyes were closed I was just wallowing in self-pity right (laughs) my husband my sweet husband got on either side of me he goes court and I like, kind of like shook me awake. It's like the equivalent of like slapping you, like slap out of it, you know, <laughs> snap out of it. But he goes, court, look. And he waited till I was like actually looking. And he points out, he goes, that's the delivery tray they're setting up, like, like with all the little instruments and cord clamp stuff and things like that. He's like, there are baby nurses standing right over by that warmer. The warmer's on. Your midwife is like gowned and suited and ready to go. This is not going to last forever. You are right at the end. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, I I am, <laughs> right? Like I needed him to kind of help me snap out of it, come out from within the depths of my feeling <laughs> and see what's actually going on. And so I'm grateful He's a good doula. He is a good good daddy doula. Daddy doula. So she might need somebody to bring her out of her mind space when needed, but just be very mindful when you do this. What's Nate? What's his Enneagram number? I have no idea. He's he's one of those types that doesn't think he can be put in a box. Oh, okay. My husband took it and he, I'll show you the screenshot, literally came back as every single number except for six. Oh. So that was useless. Well, but I was just curious because he's yeah. just is really in tune and gets it and knew what to do. So yeah. Just curious. And I know um, when you were telling me about your experience, you said it didn't really matter what physical things he was doing, what mattered was his presence. That he Absolutely. was there supporting you. Yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't that he was like doing the right kind of counter pressure at the right time. Um, there were times in different births where I needed him to do those things and that was fine, but really there were other births where I just needed him to hold my hand. That was I just needed to physically feel him 
there and emotionally feel him there. She'll also need to be reminded of her love and significance simply for being herself. Not something that type fours, I don't want to say struggle with, but um, something that is really good positive for them if they're feeling those things. Yeah. Um, Type four mamas tend to feel a little overwhelmed easily and they can sometimes get very needy or just shut down as a result. So she might need you, birth partner, to come in and help provide some rhythm, some structure, do things with her to help her not feel so overwhelmed. Help her take that elephant and scale it down to little bite-sized pieces. All right, so here is why Enneagram type fours love the My Essential Birth course. Our course isn't just a list of cold knowledge and things that you need to know. We teach you how to listen and tune into your body, something that you're already innately really good at, and your feelings, and what you then need to do with those feelings. So for example, if you are right around six or seven centimeters and all of a sudden you feel the need to really be doing some deep hip movement, get those hips moving, you'll understand that it's probably because baby needs help navigating mid-pelvis. And then you'll recall all the other positions we taught you that'll help assist baby in navigating through that space. So we'll teach you, yes, you're feeling the need to move your hips. Here's why. Here's some other things you can try as well. Uh, We also have the most beautiful birth course videos and materials, um, and that was absolutely intentional, but it's also very attractive to a type 4 mama. Type 4 mamas love that they have the freedom to make the birth their own. We don't pigeonhole women into just one kind of birth. You can pick an unmedicated birth, a medicated birth with an epidural, a cesarean, whatever kind of birth you want, in home, at a hospital, and we're going to give you all the tools and resources to allow you to express yourself during birth in your most authentic, supported way, whatever that looks like for you. We're going to give you meditation tracks, positions, labor rehearsals, birth partner tips, so that you can pull from what feels best to you. You can customize it. We go into your mindset with you and we help you cultivate that. Lastly, My Essential Birth provides a community where you can make meaningful connections with other mamas just like you, which is so important because for type 4 mamas, you crave those authentic, real connections with people and not the superficial stuff that you see all over social media and you're going to get a group of moms who are going through a lot of the things you're going through and they share their real raw beautiful stories plus Courtney's in there she's type four I'm in there (laughs) she'll love on you (laughs) I'll help you feel your way through everything we can talk feelings all day (laughs) oh we you know what we should do FaceTime doulas I like that. (laughs) We'll add add that to the bonuses. (laughs) Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this and we will hit you with Enneagram type two next time. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.